Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It feels so good to be in the presence of the Lord and to be in his house on this wonderful Wednesday night. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Psalms, chapter 103, and verse number 7. In preparation for this year and just the beginning of the year, I felt like I got very clear direction from God, and I want to follow the Holy Ghost and hopefully be a blessing to somebody, amen, here today. Uh, but I want to encourage you to come back to the house of God this Sunday, come a little early for prayer, and uh, get into His presence and worship God together with us in Jesus' name. Psalms 103 and verse number 7. The Bible says he made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. He made known his ways unto Moses and his acts unto the children of Israel. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject tonight. Knowing God. Knowing God. Would you set down your Bibles and let's, let's pray that God would help us here tonight. That we would walk out of this house with a word from God. Come on, that's it. Somebody be sensitive to the Holy Ghost. Jesus, I worship you. Jesus, I love you. Hallelujah. 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 I want to know God. I want to know God. Somebody give him a hand clap of praise one more time. Hallelujah. Amen. Shake your neighbor's hand. Tell him God bless you and you can be seated. Now for those that might remember, about a month ago I was uh, felt from God to preach out of Psalms chapter 103. And there was one verse in particular uh, that really just stuck to my ribs, if you will. And it was verse number 7. Has anybody ever had that kind of encounter where you're reading the Bible and there's just a verse that uh, you, you chew on it and then you come back and chew on it again? And uh, that's, that's how I feel about the Bible often. It's got a lot of, uh, a lot of good things to say, but there's times where there are verses that really start to impact and kind of shift your paradigm and just the way of thinking. And this is one of those kind of verses, at least for me. There is so much revelation that, uh, that can be presented through here. And like I said the last time I talked about this verse, uh, that there are a few ways that this can be summed up, that he made known his ways unto Moses, but his acts were given and shown to the children of Israel. There was one that got to see what God did, but it was Moses that got the opportunity to know why God did it. I think that's such a powerful concept all in and of, of it by itself. Uh, I will say this, though, that uh, there's, there's, there's nothing wrong with knowing about God's acts. In fact, uh, one of our favorite verses to quote in worship service is Psalms chapter 150 
and verse number 2 that simply states and says and commands us, praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Whenever you have encountered an act from God, whenever you have experienced or heard of an act from God, anytime somebody gets up and has a testimony about the goodness of God, amen, we are commanded through His Word that we are to praise Him for every single mighty act. Does anybody got some praise on their lips that God's, the activity of God in my life has been great? Hallelujah. It's often those that Jesus would say that those that have been forgiven of much, the same love much. If you've not experienced and encountered uh, God doing any activity in your life, then maybe you, you've got an excuse uh, to not really have a whole lot of praise. But if you're like myself or maybe some others in this house, when you begin to reminisce and think about all the great acts that God has performed, not just in His Word, not just through history, but inside of your life, you can't help but just give God praise. I can't help but lift up my voice and let it fly out that God has been so good. God is good. God is powerful. God is merciful. There's nobody like our God. It was the children of Israel that saw the acts, but it was Moses that saw the ways. Anybody who's ever heard about God, whether they are in the church or out of the church, many of them can quote stories from the Bible and can tell you about His acts. Because God is not secretive about His acts. God is not in, in hiding about His acts and His wonderful works, the Bible would say, towards men. He is openly performing miracles, signs, and wonders so that everybody can experience and encounter the works and the acts of God. Israel could tell you about the acts of God. There are many people in the Bible that could tell you about the acts of God. Egypt could tell you about the acts of God. And even Jericho echoed the fear of God and the fear of the God of Israel. Though they never came in direct contact with the acts of God themselves at that moment. Joshua 2 and 10. The spies are there. They're, they're, they're talking. And, and Rahab is saying, we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out of Egypt. I want to tell you that that was something that God did 40 years prior. And now they are in the land of promise. And Jericho is the first city that God's about to visit and destroy. And they are saying, we heard and we've been rehearsing all of the acts of God that he did to bring you up out of Egypt. We know of God's past acts. And then she Continues on by saying, we know what you did, what your God did to the two kings of the Amorites that are on the other side of the Jordan, Sihon and, and the giant by the name of Og, whom you utterly 
destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, these current things that you have done, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I want to tell you that even the enemies of God have known and heard of all the acts and the works of God. Can I tell you, their hearts were failing. Your enemy already knows what God is capable of. And his knees are buckling and shaking. And there is fear and there is trembling. Hallelujah. I didn't come to preach it, but I might as well. If your enemy is quaking and shaking and trembling, I don't think the church ought to be shaking and quaking and trembling. I want to tell you, we've got the advantage. We've got the help of God. We've got the acts and the works of God. Oh, somebody give him a great praise. Somebody give him a great praise. You need to let fear fall off of your mind. You need to let doubt fall out of your mind. Don't be discouraged. Your enemy's discouraged. you got to be encouraged that God is going to make a way. The enemies know the acts of God. It's not a whole lot. Amen. And I know that there is something to be said, and I've already qualified myself, that we do shout about the acts of God. I hope I made that very clear. We do shout about the acts of God, but even the enemies of God's people are trembling at the acts of God. In other words, you don't, if you just know the acts of God, you don't have any more information than the enemy. Hallelujah. That you've got the same amount of revelation as your enemy. And there's something that I'd like to pull out of this text here today. And I'd like to bring forth a, a, a little understanding to somebody. That in this text we are seeing the difference between being familiar and being intimate or personal. To be familiar is to be acquainted with, to know of, to know the facts and other surface level information. But to be intimate, to be personal, is to be very close, to be very personal, to know through a personal encounter and a personal experience to know more than just the surface level facts that everybody else knows, but to know the depth of something. To have information that was gained through an openness and a vulnerability. Can I tell somebody here today that there is a big difference between knowing about God and knowing God? There's a big, 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 big difference between knowing about him and actually having an intimate, personal relationship and knowing him. There's many people here today, I'm not political, but I know there's a lot of people that are political. And uh, let it be known, your pastor's not political. So vote however you want to vote. But there's a lot of people that would say and quote and they... They've got Twitter quotes from Trump. And, uh, and they would say, well, 
I, I know a lot of facts about Trump. I know about his, his revenue through his businesses, and I've got all of the different numbers, and I, I've got this figured out. But the truth is you can know all you want to know about Trump, but you and I don't know him. I'm going to help somebody. We can know every fact there is to know about God, a surface level. We just got it from Wikipedia, but it doesn't matter if you know every fact and you can quote every verse about God. The question comes down, do you know him? got people that can quote every stat of every basketball star and they say well I know Michael Jordan and I, I, I know all of these different players I got everything I know them very well but if you were to ever show up to any one of their games and you were to try to show up and say Steph Curry you remember me I read your stats last night he would say I don't even know who you are I'm gonna tell you because there was nothing personal there was nothing intimate and there's a difference between the two Oh, somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, let's pray right now. God's going to take us from just having a level of, of I, I kind of know a little bit, and I've just been affiliated. I've just got a little familiarity to I'm personal. I've got an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's not enough to know about God. We must know God for ourselves. It's not enough just to come to his house. Amen. It's, it's, it's not enough just to familiarize ourselves, uh, amen, with, with different different things. But it's got to go beyond that where it's no longer, amen, just knowing about him. But we've got an intimate relationship where we know him. Abraham was the one that was called out of the land of the Ur of the Chaldees. He was called by the voice of God. And that father of the faithful, he followed the voice of God. And everything God told him, he might have slipped here and there. Amen. He might have messed up and made mistakes. But he kept on walking with God. He had a walk with God. But there was a young man that followed Abraham by the name of Lot. And Lot had a walk with Abraham and not a walk with God. He was familiar with the things of God, familiar of the ways of God, had even been inside of Abraham's household, received the blessings of God. But it's got to go beyond just having to walk with the man of God, having to walk with the church of God. It's got to go to another level where I've got to walk with God and I know him. I know him for myself. We've got an intimate, personal relationship. Oh, somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, let's just pray for a moment. I didn't come to preach for a long time, but I came to help somebody that we're starting out this year and we're starting it out right. I preach it on Sunday. It's got to be God first, but above and beyond, just God first. We've got to have a relationship with God. There's a danger of staying familiar and not getting personal. See, because you can stay, you can stay familiar and receive blessings. You can stay familiar and your cattle will multiply just like Abraham's cattle. And you will feel just as blessed as Abraham. But the minute that Lot disconnected, he, re he didn't realize that his blessing right there, I mean, had he had been walking with God, it would have followed him even into Sodom and Gomorrah, and it would have defended him, and it would have protected him. But instead, he had to walk with somebody instead of the one and only God. And that walk, 
I came to help somebody tonight. You can't have a walk with any individual person. You've got to have a walk with Jesus. I want to help you. It's not enough, amen, to have a good relationship. We can be friends or not friends. That doesn't matter. But what really does matter is if you got to walk with God, whether whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's up or whether it's down, i got to walk with God, and I'm going to serve him. Oh, somebody love him. I want to be very careful. I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but... But there is something that is, you can get into this, and it's people worship. There's something known as people worship. And if you aren't careful, you'll start making other people your God. You want to know, I got, I got some help for somebody. The Bible says that the angel Michael and Lucifer were arguing and fighting and contending over the body of Moses. You know why they were fighting over the body of Moses? Because the devil knew if I can get a hold of his body, I can keep these people bound up in the wilderness and they'll never get to the promised land because they'll worship this man's body. Come on, there's religions that will travel to Mecca, amen, every single year and they will go to where they think Muhammad's buried and there are people that if you're not careful, you'll get into people worship and personality worship and you'll stay right where you are and never move forward. I want to tell you, people aren't God. God is God. Personality isn't God. There's only one and his name is Jesus. Somebody love him. Eleven, come on! I came to help some lots. You can be blessed, but your blessings got to come from the fact that you know God. You got to walk with God, not a walk with Abraham. Oh, somebody, eleven! Come on! I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I want to help somebody to go to the next level. I don't want to just be familiar with God, familiar with his church. I might have been coming for a long time, but i got to have a walk with him. Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? He wanted to know, what is the public opinion? What is the polls looking like right now? And the crowds would say, well, some say you're John the Baptist or Elijah or one of the other prophets. And they are able to quote what the popular and public opinion is because they all knew that he was somebody that was unlike anybody else. They at least had that much. They had seen his acts. They all knew that he was the miracle worker. For no man can do these miracles except God be with him. They all knew him as the one that could multiply the fish and the loaves and bring about provision. They knew him as the one that would heal the sick, open up blind eyes and unlock deaf ears and make the, the mute to be able to speak. He was the one that could resurrect. He was all powerful. And when they thought about him, they thought you're just one of the good prophets. You're just a good miracle worker. And they begin to define God simply based on his acts. But I want to tell you that God is not a tool that you and I can use or abuse. God is more than just what he does. God is who he is. Can I help you? People that get locked up in just serving God based on his acts, they're the ones that the minute that the fish and loaves run out, they turn around and walk out. They're the ones when the miracles stop, they're out of the door. But there's people that want to go beyond just knowing about him, and they want to know him. I don't just want to see what God does. I want to know who he is. 
I'm in a church today of people that want to know who he is. I'm not just interested in the miracles, the signs, and the wonders, but I got to know him for myself. Jesus didn't leave it public. He didn't just leave it at an opinion poll because he doesn't care about the opinions of everybody else. I had to help somebody there. We don't need to care about the opinions of anybody else. If you're walking with God, you keep walking with God. Hallelujah. And he said, I, all right, great. I've heard what everybody else says. But he said, who do you say? They all knew about Jesus. But Peter knew Jesus. In order to know God, a personal encounter, an intimate encounter with God is not only a, 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 a something that, that, that is a possibility, but it is an absolute. It is a necessity. There's many people here today. I didn't just come to tell you, amen, about what the issue is, but I also believe in bringing about a solution because there's people that have been locked up in this where they've served God based on his acts, but they want to serve God for more. They've known about what God can do, but they want to serve God for a deeper level and a deeper purpose than that. How is it that I get to know God? If I were to ask some folks in the house of God, please don't raise your hand. Do you know God? I want to tell you there's some folks that would raise up their hand and say, I know God. But even as I preach to you here today, I've got enough in, in, intellect and understanding uh, that I don't know God. Well, the preacher just said he doesn't know God. I'll tell you why. It's like, a, can I help some folks? How many years been married for a long time? Would you say you know your wife uh, better in your first year of marriage than you do now? Of course not. You would say you know your spouse better now than you did when you first got married. Why? Because there's some factors that go into to knowing God. Well, I've served God for a long time. Honey, I want to tell you, you might know a lot about God, and you might know God to a certain degree, and that's awesome. We all are on the journey. But to say that we've figured him out and we've got it, I'm telling you, that's just going back to familiarity because the minute we think we figured God out, he does something new. Come on. That's why God never did the same miracle the same way. He'd heal blinded eyes in different ways because he didn't want anybody to think they figured the formula out. With God, there is no formula. Come on. With God, we've not seen it all. With God, we've not encountered it all. With God, we've not experienced it all. Knowing God is not a one-time event. It is an everyday occurrence. Nobody will say, I have arrived. When we get to heaven, I, I, think, I think heaven would be real boring if I figured God out already. I think, I think God would be kind of small if I figured him out already in just a short 17, 18 years of living for him. <laughs> Amen. But the longer that I live for God, the more I recognize I don't know as much as I thought I knew at the beginning. Come on. But what is it that helps us to know God in this pursuit? Because this year I hope that it, it, you're going to hear about Bible studies. You're going to hear about reading the Bible. You're going to hear about prayer and fasting. I'm telling you, we're getting ready to kick open the doors and just go hog wild. I'll tell you why. If I don't have any other goal this year, my goal is to pursue God with everything that is within me. Do I got anybody on board? I'm going to pursue God with everything. You can't have an intimate personal relationship with God.
without closeness. You got to have proximity. It's not possible to have a relationship with God and never see Him. <laughs> it's not possible. If, if you, I know there's some folks wish that they could have their marriage work out that way. I'll, I'll never see you. We'll stay married. No, I'm telling you, in order to have a close knit relationship, you got to stay close together. Moses, I preach about it on Sunday. I, you want to know all this stuff about me? You want to know me on a personal level? I'll tell you how you're going to get that intimate moment. Uh, there is a place uh, by me. Uh, you're going to have to get as close uh, as possible. Hallelujah. Going from just knowing about God to knowing God is simply about taking one step closer every day that you can and getting one step closer to the presence and the power of God. i got to get as close as I can to him. Would you lift up your hands? Come on. Is that your prayer? I want to be close to you, Jesus. I want to be in proximity to you, Jesus. It's going to be closeness. And often to get close to God, we've got to get distant from other things. To get close to God, we're going to have to step away some, from some relationships. We're going to have to step away from some friendships to get close to God. I'm not saying to, to, to blacklist anybody, but I, I just remember, and, and anybody that's been through this can tell you there's moments where I wanted to get closer to God, and that meant that I had I had to just skip out on some things. Amen. I'm not talking about church events. I had to skip out on some different events and some different fun things that, that everybody else at my job had going on or other people had going on. I had to just set myself apart and get close with God. I had to open up my closet door and hit my knees and pray when everybody else was hanging out, everybody else was having fun. I had to hit my knees and seek the face of God because I wanted to know Him. To know God, you're going to have to separate yourself. To know God, we've got to be willing to have encounters with God. We're going to have to have Jacob's Ladder moments where it might be a hard time and your pillow is nothing but a rock and you are on your, you are you have hit rock bottom and there will be moments in life like that. But I want to tell you, all it is is an opportunity to get closer to knowing God. You can look at it however you want and say, God, why'd you put me through this? Why am I going through that? Or instead you could say, God, I just want to have an encounter with you. I want to have a moment with you. It takes reading his word. It takes hearing preaching. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. We heard about it many times last year. There was, there was at least six preachers that talked about the Ark of the Covenant. And I think there's something significant to that that, that I think God is trying to present to this church. Uh, amen. But there's something about that David brings the Ark. Uh, they bring it on a new cart. Uh, amen. In other words, uh, he thought that he knew about God. He thought he had God figured out that a cart was going to be enough. Uh, amen. And, and, and there's, there's something about that uh, that even at our best, uh, we sometimes sometimes think we've got God figured out and he'll fit on a cart and we familiarize ourselves with God but God doesn't want to go that route amen and it took 
David having humility enough to admit, I don't know God like I thought I knew God. And he said, preacher, grab the book, grab the Bible, open it up and begin to tell me what thus saith the Lord. I'm not going to say I got it all figured out by myself. He said, let's open up the book. And it was there. He had humility to find out that by reading and hearing the word of God, that he got a deeper understanding. God doesn't want the ark on a cart. He wants the burden on the backs of a Levite. Oh, somebody worship him. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. To know God, to get to knowing God. Again, this is not just a one-time event. It's an everyday occurrence. you got to be willing to ask questions. Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and began to ask some questions. The disciples would look at Jesus and ask questions. I don't know where this creeped into the church where people got scared of asking questions and asking God questions. And Amen. I want to tell you, it all does come down to the intent of why you're asking questions. There's some people that, that they're actually questioning and they actually are allowing some things into their life that they shouldn't. And they're trying to question so they can make excuse for their bad behavior. But when people are truly desiring uh, to know God, there's nothing like asking a question uh, that says, God, what does this mean? God, what are you trying to do in my life? There's nothing wrong with saying, God, I got some questions. I came to help you here tonight. If you want to know God on a deeper level, there's nothing wrong with hitting your knees and saying, God, I got some questions for you. It's not because my faith is shaky, but I really want to know. I want to know. I want to know. It is in that moment of, 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 of trying to know God, we have to have conversation with God. There's no person in this building that can say, well, I know you unless they've talked with you and spent some time with you. Conversation, which we would define out in the Bible, is prayer and meditation. We'll talk a lot more about that this year. Prayer is when I'm communicating with God. But it's in that moment where I'm meditating on prayer. I'm meditating on his word. That's not an Eastern, Eastern uh, principle. I know there's some folks that think that that's, amen, some sort of mystic idea. But it's right there in your Bible that we are to meditate on his word day and night. So there's something about that when we pray, we're communicating to God. And we're asking our questions. And we're just telling him we love him. But there's that moment of meditation where we step back and we begin to reflect on his word. We let God have an opportunity to speak to us to know God we've got to be willing to open ourselves up and be vulnerable to trust God trust is Peter saying Lord if it's you bid me come out on the water and Peter steps out of the boat when Jesus says come well I don't know if I can trust God you know the only way to trust somebody or trust God to trust them there's no there's no shortcut to trust. You simply got to say, I don't know how this is going to work out, but I'm going to yield myself and be vulnerable. I'm going to help somebody. You, our walk with God will get so much better when we just say, Lord, whatever you said, I'm just going to trust it. I don't know how it's going to work out right now, but I'm going to trust it. I don't know what's happening in my life, but I'm going to trust you. It doesn't feel good right now. I might be ridiculed by all my friends in the boat, but I'm going to trust you. It was in that moment of trust that Peter 
got a little more of an understanding of Jesus that the other 11 did not get. And finally, the only real way for somebody to go on this path of knowing God is we've got to spend time with God. And I'm not just talking about here a little, next month there a little. But it is not just any amount of time. It's a time that is defined by commitment. It is the I stuck with God through the hot and through the cold. Can I preach it this way? To really know God, you got to be with God in every season. To really know God, you got to be with Him through the fall. You got to be with Him through the winter. You got to be with Him through the spring. And you got to be with Him through the summer. You got to be like Job, where I knew God and I was walking with God when I had cattle, when I had houses, when I had kids, when my wife was happy, when everything was up. But it was that same Job that said, I know God now on a deeper level. I've been broke. I've been sick. Everything went wrong, but I know him. Let's stand all across the building and lift up our hands. Come on, let's lift up our hands and let's love him. Come on, I came to help somebody. This is a good group of people, and I believe every individual's desire is to know God. Amen. It's to get deeper in God, not just a surface-level acquaintance. I don't just want to be familiar with God, but I've got to know Him on a deeper level. Come on, let's just pray for a moment. God, we want to know you. I want to know your ways like Moses. I want to know the whys behind what you do, God. I want to know your principles and your precepts. And I don't want to just, I don't want to just get far enough away from the world that I make it to heaven, but I want to get close enough to you that I can't wait to get to heaven. Knowing God takes a commitment of time. You know, there's so many people that, that ended, up in the, ended up in the divorce court because they had one, they, they gave up in one season. Come on, that's why our world's got a 70% divorce rate. They gave up in one season, but, but judging somebody based on one season and not being with them through the rest, there's, there's a whole lot more there. And anybody, I know that I'm not the best to be saying this. I've been married in a few years, but but I could I could ask anybody who's been married a long time could say, man, you know what? That was a rough season, but it got better. Come on, somebody. There might be rough seasons in living for God, but I want to tell you, it gets better. And there's nothing like that tough season and that hard season that gives you a deeper appreciation for God that you would not have had otherwise. It was Mary and Martha that called Jesus because they knew him as a healer. And Jesus waited around for a few extra days until Lazarus was dead and stinking. And they wanted to give up right there because he didn't show up in their season. But Jesus said, hold on. I am the resurrection and I am the life. 
There's more to me than you know right now. And had I not let you go through this dark time, had you not gone through this hard season, had you not gone through the loss of Lazarus, you would have never known that I can heal, but I can also resurrect the dead. Paul would put it this way, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection when things are going good and God is bringing about miracles, signs, and wonders and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul is saying, I want to be committed to knowing God whether it's easy or whether it's hard, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whether it's up, whether it's down, whether it's light, whether it's dark, whether I'm sick or whether I'm healthy, whether things have gone the way I want them to or they have not gone the way that I want them to. I'm going to serve him because i got to know him. I'm done preaching. Would you lift up your hands? Come on. Jesus said, Come, take my yoke, learn of me, get to know me. Your burdens will be lighter. These that know their God shall do exploits. I want to open up this altar. Would you step out of your seat? Today's a day where I make a declaration. I want to know God more than I ever have. It's going to take consistency. It's going to take commitment. It's going to take time. It's going to take seasons. It's going to take communication. There's a lot of factors we don't even have time to get into tonight. But at the end of the day, I've got one request. I've got to know God. Come on, somebody make it your prayer. Show me your ways. Show me your ways. I've seen your acts. I've seen your works. They're wonderful. They're great. And I praise you. But I've got to know God. Come on, that's it. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, this is a church that's made up their mind. We're going to pursue God. We're going to know Him.
Come on, that's it all across the house. Let's love him. Come on. If you want more, why don't you just love him? I want to know you more. I'm so grateful for what I do know, but I want to know more. Come on. Let there be a holy dissatisfaction. I got to know more. I'm pushing forward for more. It is a daily commitment to make up in your mind, I want to know God. And in that commitment, we are saying in our hearts, with our actions, nothing's going to turn me around. When we have singular focus that we're going to pursue God with everything that's within us, there is nothing, there is no one, no circumstance that's going to turn me around. It's one of those moments that you stand, anybody that's married will say, I do. But every day you get up, you say, I do. I do. Let's love him all across this building one more time. God has so much more for us, more in store for us. But it is our opportunity, it is our commitment that says, I'm going after it with everything within me. Somebody pray. I commit myself to knowing God this year like I've never known God before. I commit myself to pursue God like I've never pursued God. I commit myself to be committed to God like I've never been committed to God. I'm going all in. Hallelujah. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this atmosphere that we feel in your presence, God. Thank you for every saint. Every individual in this house, I pray, God, that you would go with us. That as we go through life, as we go through this year, as we go through even this week and these upcoming days, God, would you reveal more to us about your nature? Would you, would you treat, treat us like you did Moses and show us your ways, God, so we can know you on a more personal, intimate level, God? We pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. If you want to keep praying, you're welcome to keep praying. But if not, shake hands, be friendly, love one another. God bless you, and we will see you on Sunday.